We are outside in the beautiful city, sunny city of Accra today, bringing you another edition of City Trends. And today, we're going to be having a general conversation around technology, innovation, trends globally, and to a certain extent, what some of the lessons are that we can pick up in Ghana. My name is Philip Ashon, and you're welcome to City Trends. And we are seated by the poolside enjoying the good breeze right here in Accra. And it is not every day you get innovation or people involved in the innovation space who have traveled the world, had their own experiences, joining you by the poolside, um, enjoying a bit of um, juice and basically allowing the creative juices and the, the thoughts around technology trends to flow. And that is what we're going to be involved in um, a conversation today. Um, there's so much that has happened over the last couple of months and um, within the tech and innovation space. And uh, one of the biggest conversations globally today happens to be the metaverse, for example. And this, this idea of almost every um, little community trying to gravitate towards um, cryptocurrency and accepting it and otherwise and government. Look, there's just so much happening in the space and it's always interesting to have an outsider's perspective of what exactly is going on, especially from a country that has been leading the conversation in terms of innovation such as Israel. And so it's nice to be able to get people like that to join you in the conversation for us to explore some of these topics. And I have one such gentleman with me on the show today. I'm going to have him introduce himself because when I saw his profile and his name, I was kind of preferring that he would mention his name so I'll take it from there. So let's 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 start off introductions. Let us know who you are, let us know what your background is and then let's jump straight into the conversation. Okay, so my name is Saron Paz. I am a designer by profession. I'm an experienced designer and in the last let's say 10-15 uh, years I've been dealing a lot with innovation and with the triangle that I like between experience, technology and, um, and, and people, I think. So it's experience, technology and the way people connect all of them together. When, when you say a designer, what, what do you mean? Explain to us what you mean when you say a designer. And it's very interesting when a designer is caught between the web of experiences, technology and, and people. Tell us about what all of that encapsulates. Okay, so I think design, I don't know how design is taught here, but I think in Israel, design is taught in, a, in two senses in a way that I believe everything should be taught. So first of all, it's very hands-on. So you get to use tools, you get to use technology, you get to build things yourself and nothing is theoretical. Everything is very much, it's like show, don't talk. Okay, so you end up with a lot of prototypes of objects, of uh, products, of um, ideas. It's never ending in this idea state or in a presentation state. It always comes down to something physical you can touch, you can feel, you can try, you can use, you can experiment with, and that's something that I like a lot. The other thing is with design, or specifically with industrial design in Israel, it's done with a very multidisciplinary kind of 
work. So you do the production, you do the innovation, you do the technology side, you, know, you do the coding, you do hardware, software, you do the marketing, you do um, pitching, you do everything together in one person. So it's never like divided into different skills. You have to master them all. You might not be the best one in, in them all, but I think you get a chance to touch upon them all. And a lot of really interesting collaborations are done between different students they find they have different strengths. So I think the connection between being something very multidisciplinary and the ability to create multidisciplinary groups that work together to serve like a goal or a dream, uh, I think that's something that I, all of these together make design for me one of the most interesting fields uh, out there. And specifically with the needs of the market today, I think it makes designers a very valuable asset to any company or to any endeavor or like innovative effort. One of the things that often pops up is design thinking. And we've had quite a number of conversations on my show, for example, about design thinking. But one of the things that really struck me is the practical hands-on side of the conversation. And you also mentioned about the fact that in terms of the training, you seem to get a 360 sort of overview of the training. Some people might say that when you have students get that 360 where they double in literally every single part of it, they yes, they might be termed all-rounded, but then in terms of specialization, you really don't get them to be to be to be the very best. In, in terms of specialization, especially when you come to a technology field where there are specialities naturally, um, depending on the areas you want to get into. I wonder what your thinking is around specialization for students, especially or for people within the tech space, and this idea of having an all-rounded sort of individual getting a bit of literally everything. I think specialization is, uh, I don't believe in it, or specifically in the way that it became to be like somebody, everyone is focused on the really, really small dot of the point of the project which he is in charge of, okay. which I think makes uh, bad choices and bad processes. I think people need to have a bigger picture. Collaboration is always about people, and people are multifaceted. People have a lot of talents. I don't think that everybody knows everything and I don't think everybody can be good at everything. But we are all very complex individuals and I think today companies are uh, more and more trying to fit the role to the person and not the person to the role. Mm. So if I'm a, I don't know, if I'm a product manager, maybe I have, you know, skills that are also fitting with HR or also fitting with coding, or also fitting with a lot of different aspects of developing a product or developing like a, a project or a company. Mm -hmm. And I might be not using all these talents when I, am, when I have to, you know, fit into my role. Mm -hmm. And on the other hand, I might be in a, in a position in which I am good at 80% of what my role specifically wants me to be at, but 20% I'm very bad. Mm -hmm. But I'm not allowed to use other people for this 20% mm -hmm. because my role is like this kind of role. And I think when you work in an environment like the Make Lab, which is like project-based, 
you find out people are more flexible. Sometimes somebody is in the role of a, of a project manager and then he's PR and then he's doing some other stuff. And also in the progression of a project, you find that things change. So there are different needs in different stages. That, and when we are more flexible in watching our role and we look at a group or at a group that are working on a project as a whole, I think, you know, one and one equals three and not two. Right. right. Yeah. They, they, what, what then it means is there's, there's probably going to be a, be a bit of rethinking in terms of the approach to probably educating another generation of technology thinkers and, and, and dreamers and, 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 and entrepreneurs because there, there has been for a very long time a shift towards specialization. So you start from primary school, you are given a wide array of topics that you have to study. And as you progress, it, you become specialized. So for example, a PhD student, a PhD student to be extremely specialized within a specific field. And from what you're saying, there needs to be a shift away from that sort of thinking because like you're saying, different circumstances call for different skill sets. And having a well-rounded or a rounded individual probably will make them thrive much better in, in any situation. Also today there's talk about lifelong learning. Mm. So we think about, you know, there is a stage in life which, which we learn in and then we just do our work. But no, we continue learning all the time because technology constantly changes. And the world today with innovation is a big part of it now, changes every day. Mm. I love it when a student comes to me, I teach also an academy in Israel, in a master's course. and. I love it when a student comes to me and says, do you know about this and that? And I tell him, no, I actually don't have a clue. But let's learn about it together. Let's sit together, study this coding language, this uh, technology, this idea, and let's work on it together. And I think also if you see, like for instance, my partner, Zvika Markfeld, he, he never learned in any academy. Also, Avi Ostfeld, who initiated the whole MakeLab idea and MakeLabs around the world, uh, I'm, I think, if I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure, but I think he also ha doesn't have any academic background. And also today, in many companies, because of that reason, even big companies like Microsoft and Google, they are specifically looking for uneducated people. Because they know that uneducated people are open to learn. Right. And some, some person yeah, who finished like a PhD, he thinks he knows everything. Right. But, you know, we never know everything and things really. Once, if you had an idea, you, you finished a degree, you could take that knowledge and it would take you 20 years forward. Today, even if you're the best you know, student in class, mm. it will take you what? A year, two years? After two years, everything changes. <laughs> even sometimes the concept of what you're learning, of what design is, what technology is, it would, could change. 180 degrees so you know so you learned you got a degree what about that so you know it can be useless in a few years the best thing you can learn is how to learn right right it's a very interesting concept in the fact that what it will mean is a grand shift or a complete shift from what a lot of people have become used to and usually that that's a very difficult thing for people to do you know to shift in terms of 
the line of thinking or what they have become so used to, especially when it has been in existence for so many years and it, it's, it seems to be the system that everybody else signs on to. I'll be, I'll be coming back to you to ask you about your thoughts about how technology should be taught as well but listeners you're tuned into city trends on 97.3 ctfm we're having a conversation with saron paz and he 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 describes himself as as a thinker as a designer as 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 someone who enjoys thinking you know and it's it's really nice to be able to share some of these ideas with him you you spoke about learning and the fact that the only way to continuously grow is to learn how to learn. We have become used to a certain kind of education, especially, and I mean, because this show is a tech show, especially in Ghana, you know, a lot of startups, a lot of young people who are either trained in a tech lab or, or something of that sort, usually are trained in a certain way, you know, start up the business, do this, do that, do that. Um, pitch your business here, pitch your business there, sell your business to, you know, an investor who comes through, you know. That seems to be the code for everybody to basically follow. I'm wondering, what would be your idea of how technology should, to be, should be taught today? So first of all, there are a few problems with the model today and it's the problems are with the story that how it's told mm. so first of all it's usually told as a Cinderella story it's you come up with an idea and then you tell it to somebody in an elevator and then he gives you a check for a million dollars and then suddenly you're rich and famous and life is grand so that's the first part the first part people think it's instant it's quick I don't need to do a lot People, these are people who have never had a startup, yeah? That's the first problem. The second problem is, I think, um, is the fact that people um, think about it today more as a software than and hardware. And I think we are progressing into a, a time in which hardware and software will be entangled with, with each other. The world of IoT, Internet of Things, is beginning to be more and more prominent, and services that today are, uh, you know, are concluded in a in an app or in a cell phone, will be going out to the world in physical object form, and it will people will have to know more and more about this connection between hardware and software. Um, and I think that's what we try to do. Uh, we did it in, in IFAIR uh, in Nigeria, and hopefully we're going to do it uh, here in Ghana. And I think that this is also something we do in MakeLab in the in courses we uh, give people, and also in a, an experience that involves uh, machinery and fabrication and electronics and other stuff that today people think all you need like is a computer uh, and some coding but you, you need more than that and I think also this encounters also the fact that you need to understand more about human interaction mm -hmm. so you need to understand how people operate what kind of scenarios people have 
uh, in life because today the time we spend with technology is a time staring at a screen but in just in a few years I believe we'll be doing that while we're running while we are like cooking while we are driving so you need to understand people in a more in-depth way to understand how can you get their attention how can you do something which doesn't need to be our whole attention in a screen but maybe in a more physical interactive kind of way and in a more haptic way that involves maybe our fingers maybe our heads maybe our eyes maybe our feet and it's a whole body experience so I think people will have to understand more how people live in life. It's like, how do I interact with technology while I'm in the pool? Uh, how do I do that while I sip a drink? Uh, so I think people also need to understand how people work better. Till now it was easy. Just need to get a good video that people have to stare at and press uh, a button. And that's a full retention and everybody is happy. But I think it will be more complicated, but also more fun. Right. We try to make the world more fun place, and I think that's that's where it's going to be. I mean, it's 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 challenging because, like I said, it, it 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 would need a lot of unlearning. But I mean, that's the whole point of a creative mind or a curious mind to be able to think through the problem and find solutions to those problems, and so. It's very, it's very interesting when, when you say that. So you, you talk about the Make Labs. Um, can, you, can you share with us the idea behind the Make Labs and exactly why that model is unique in terms of technology and, and, and technology education especially? Okay. So the Make Movement has been around for like 15 years, maybe 20 years. And also the technology that we're using is not new. What is new is the fact that it's tangible, that it's accessible for people and it's cheaper enough to do it today than ever before. You know, first computers took a whole room and took like two million dollars in order to operate. But today, you know, you can buy electronics in, um, you know, in China for cheap. You can get a lot of information from the internet. Um, and I think today the knowledge and know-how are the most important thing and the community is the most important thing. And the other thing that people have misconceptualized about startups is about that you have to be very protective of your idea. You have to be very protective of your knowledge. But tomorrow's world is all about open source. It's about sharing information. It's about sharing know-how and knowledge. It's about collaborating with other people. You can't be alone. You can't do things alone today. You, you don't want to be alone. You want to be in a, you know, in a community. You want to have a community around you that can help you. You want to have a good idea, but then you want to go into a make lab and find three different people with three different other skills that you need and form a group with them. And then you want to go to somebody else that will teach you how to do this specific piece of code that you find a problem with or you want to shout in the middle of a, of a lab, hey, does somebody have a, an Arduino a spare? And somebody will actually give it to you. This is a very supportive environment. This is a, an environment where people share their, um, their work, share their knowledge happily, and together thrive to create 
interesting solutions for problems, but also opportunities. I don't like the, the discussion about problems, because, you know, not all world is not about problems. Sometimes it's about an opportunity. Sometimes an opportunity is when you meet somebody else and you start by just like talking on a beer and then you find out that you have, you know, good flow of information and then an idea comes up. And then you add another person that is just a missing link of maybe of knowledge, maybe of a skill. And then you join together and you create something which is bigger than the three of you. Will, will, will this, do you envision that this, this line of, of reasoning and thinking and education would translate into setting up a business, for example? How you approach the setting up of a business, how the culture of a group, you know, starting up a company would, would think. Is, is, are you looking at having this transcend just the education bit, but actually into work culture as well? Definitely. Uh, I think that, like I told you before, the, the rate of change is very, very quick. You see today that also big companies like Google, like Microsoft, um, like Facebook, uh, they have, when they focus on one thing, even if it's more profitable, it doesn't keep up for long. They need to constantly change and sometimes for these big companies it's very hard to change because they have a DNA which is very solid that they build on and everybody knows their job and everybody knows their role and everybody is like fixed on something and that's why they are opening makers labs inside these companies. They're trying to buy startups in order to keep up with the innovative uh, uh, you know, occurrences that happen everywhere. And I think that's why people will constantly need to build companies, to change companies, to make like, you know, shifts in companies and to be constantly up and aware. Because today, you know, okay, you can, you can become rich pretty f quickly if you have a, um, if you are flexible enough, if you're smart enough, and if you know to do the right thing at the right time with the right people. So I think that there are chances more and more today for people who are young, for people who are not from privileged places, to uh, to do the smart thing, to develop an idea. It doesn't have to be even like, you know, finished. It can be like a prototype and it can be promising and interesting enough for a big company to invest even in the developing stage. But I think you need to be constantly looking for something because if you have ever like seen a startup uh, evolve, you know that there's a lot of shifts along the way. You never stay with the original idea. Again, the way it's taught today is like, you have an idea, you do it, you finish it, you get the money, goodbye. <laughs> you go to Seychelles or whatever. <laughs> you did. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what's the dream of like, people have dreams. Um, but you need to be constantly listening to what's happening around you. You need to be socially aware. You need to know what are the needs of your society. I think also it's, it's a lot about listening to the community around you. And first of all, I would suggest if somebody is building a startup in Ghana, focus on what Ghana needs now. Focus on the needs, the specific needs, maybe in Accra. You know, there are huge 
states here that have very specific needs. And at the beginning, if you feed those needs, you can get, you know, you don't have even to have an investor. You can do it like bootstrapping and you can continue growing your business step by step to a big, solid, interesting, valuable company. Well, I mean, all, all, all that is well and good, but I, I wanted to pick your idea or your thinking around some of the later latest trends innovations in innovations globally that intrigue you and you feel are worth looking out for what are some of the things that are happening globally that you know you 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 look at and you say this is something that could work this is something that is interesting any any thoughts to share on that yeah so I do believe in the connection of the physical and the virtual and I think that the places where those connect are the most valuable and interesting places. Uh, so obviously IoT is a very big interesting market. What's nice is that uh, in the maker movement there are a lot of tools that are already out there uh, for people to use and for people to develop ideas pretty quickly. It's really amazing that this has become very... Um, um, to these tools that people used to have to know a lot of coding and to learn for four years. And to, Today, you can build up something pretty quickly. And I think what is lacking in this industry is good ideas. And if somebody has a good idea that uh, is, is, is valuable, he can, he can do it pretty... Developing-wise, he can do it pretty quickly and also put it to the market relatively quickly. And it, what's nice about IoT is that it goes across every subject and every field. It can be in agriculture, it can be in food, it can be in education, it can be in health, it can be in every valuable field out there and give true value. And it can drive also, you know, the, the infrastructure uh, forward, it can drive I think every field needs that connection and I think this is a field that I'm really, I really enjoy teaching students and also uh, teaching in, in the May Club people who come uh, to, to, you know, to interact with it uh, and I think that's a very interesting place. Uh, like I mentioned before that also helps us evolve hardware which I think the connection between hardware and software is a very interesting place to be in today and you mentioned the metaverse which I don't really like because I don't like the virtual parts I think we as people are hardwired hardwired sorry to be physical we we know we want things to touch we want to feel we want to use our senses that we already neglect by now people don't use their smell enough don't use their sound enough and I think the more these will be prominent inside what we call the metaverse I think it will be more valuable today there is already talk about uh, you know uh, uh, XR and the way you know mixed realities but I think people misunderstand this being something that would happen in a virtual world but no it will happen in a mix of the virtual and, and reality. So we will have to, we can we'll be able to navigate with augmented reality 
and but I think the interesting parts will be where physical world comes into the virtual and the other way around. Do you, do you think the metaverse or the idea of the metaverse will will succeed? Mm. Knowing everything you know about human nature, knowing and seeing the evolution of technology over the years, do you think the metaverse in the in the state it's in in terms of how we envision it, how we are seeing it today, do you think it will succeed? I'll tell you a secret. I think nobody actually knows anything about the metaverse. It's just a nice word that people like to use. People like to use a lot of fancy words when it comes to technology. But in real life, you know, people dream, people think, people, you know, imagine things, and people like to use words. I, it's like I love it when entrepreneurs come and they like to use the, you know, the big words like, AI, IoT, Metaverse, VR, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, that's why I love it when people create real-life um, prototypes of stuff. Because when, when I talk to people, I say, okay, don't talk to me. Show me. Let me feel it. Let me touch it. Let me... Don't only talk. People, you know, they make nice, you know... Um, uh, presentations they give nice even they do like nice 3d models but I like things I can touch I can smell I can hear that's what I believe so I encourage people not to use fancy words but okay show me the metaverse let me touch a metaverse let me smell a metaverse then I'll have an opinion about it I mean there and 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 just just to press home on the fact of the, the mixed reality as well. We have come to a place where we have all these VR headsets, you know, that allow us to experience a certain bit of the virtual and then in some cases and in some ways mixing it with the real. This idea of the metaverse which presumes that we will all be living in a virtual space or would have, you know, sort of a world in a virtual space. I tell you real life. Okay, real life is like this. You give somebody uh, headset, he puts it on his eyes, he says cool, cool, cool. After five minutes, either he gets nausea or he takes it off and he's done. Mm. But when you give him a physical robot, when you let him cut something in a laser cutter and you know you see a child go, wow, like I just planned this, it takes 10 seconds, it's cut, I can put it together and it's actually something really that I can hold in my hands. That will beat a metaverse every day of the week. People are not convinced by, you know, there's also, you know, you know Uncanny Valley? Right. You know the Uncanny Valley? So there's, it's a really interesting uh, research that was done that says that, okay, as we go closer to something, we're talking about robotics. So as we grow closer to something that looks like a human, there is a point in which it's close to human, but it's not human, in which people like me and you, they get scared and disgusted by it. It's called Uncanny Valley. Mm. It's like, a, never mind, the whole research that was done. And today in robotics, people are shying away of um, robots that look like people. Mm. They try to make them look like different things because they find out that we can't make a real human-like no, it's not like Blade Runner here, okay? <laughs> so we, it still looks kind of odd and weird, mm. and people are afraid and disgusted by it. Um, 
So also in the metaverse, as long as it's not real people, we can touch and feel and look to us like something we want to be a friend of. It's nice as a gimmick, but not beyond that. And a, a good robot that looks like a worm would like beat it any day of the week. <laughs> Oh man, this is this is this is interesting. Um, we, we are speaking with Saron Paz, um, who is an experienced designer, a new media artist, um, a piece or a placemaker and innovation mentor um, as well. He is in Ghana. He is from Israel. He's in Ghana to obviously have some interactions with the local tech and innovation and um, education space. Um, and um, he will be telling us some of the projects that he's been involved in. As the conversation goes on we have been talking a lot about innovation and some of the things that interest him and for him internet of things or iot is is number one on his list and very interestingly a few seconds ago just talking about the metaverse as against the real um and the reality of life and he says a robot that looks like a worm will trump um, um, um a metaverse any day of the week every day of of the week so there, there you have it interesting thinking and thoughts there i'm moving 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 on from some of these things and apart from the internet of things um i mean even considering the internet of things there have been like you said what really is for example a metaverse there there is such a huge population of people who are still grappling with what the technology of the future is going to look like or should be and i'm just wondering how will we get that level of education to those groups of people because if we don't have a critical mass it's very difficult for us to move you know you know into the next generation in terms of what we we perceive to be the new the new technological world we need a critical mass to be able to say that this is what the future looks like. Everybody is ready for it and we have to absolutely go for it. I don't know how we're going to be able to get that critical mass as, as it stands now, with everything changing almost every day. So, I don't know, I came to Ghana very humbly uh, um, as in an effort to, create, to find uh, partners here. Uh, interesting partners that would uh, maybe come with us and try to create this effort of creating make labs in Accra and maybe elsewhere and maybe creating collaborations through which we could um, make interesting projects and interesting innovative companies here that would uh, do this mix of hardware and software uh, and maybe also along the way uh, try and develop more chances for people here to learn from the maker movement for uh, from my our make lab um, experience in Israel and also in Nigeria and also uh, to be able to bring about uh, the new wave of innovators here um, I think that if anyone tells you he knows what the future will bring, he's stupid, <laughs> because we don't. Uh, what we can do is we can aim at the places that we enjoy, that we like, that we believe in, 
um, and I think everyone has his own you know uh, itch to scratch there is a usually in the makeup movement there is a talk about scratch your own itch so that is realized on one hand in us bringing what we believe in what we like uh, to do in the make lab here to uh, to Ghana but it also has to do with trying to understand what are the challenges and opportunities that Ghana is facing today and I wouldn't even assume to know what they are. Even after two years in Nigeria I can say that I know little about um, the challenges that are there and we rely upon local mentors and, um, and local people and local uh, companies like Innovate um, to help us and help us help them uh, to actually create the infrastructure that would allow new innovation to rise. So it's just the beginning here in Ghana. Uh, we don't know what the future holds, but we do know that we come in, in good faith and with good intentions uh, to, to do good. And it's always, you know, meeting people is always interesting and meeting people from a different culture and from a different background is extremely important and fascinating and interesting. That's what I like to do. What, what has intrigued you so far about the innovation space in Ghana? At least a little that you've, you've seen of it. Okay. So first of all, I found here really interesting people, very serious people um, that do a lot of uh, serious entrepreneurship. And I think, if I understand it correctly, it seems that Ghana is really like a hub for, for innovation and technology. Uh, I don't know a lot about other uh, African countries, but I'm very impressed uh, with the level that is shown to me here. Um, I do think that um, I also, I, I think people are very knowledgeable and are very hopeful for the future. And I think, I wouldn't assume to know more than that. I've been here only a few days. I was very warmly welcomed and everywhere I went and that's for me it's not taken for granted you know and also I think people are very open for innovative efforts and for collaborations uh, from people from elsewhere and I think that's also very impressive one of the things that often comes up when conversations around innovation and technology and advancement of these is the role that governments have to play in terms of setting the right atmosphere, in terms of setting the right um, barriers and, and everything else. From your experience working in Nigeria and in some other parts of the world, how critical is that role and how, how, how much attention should governments pay to the innovation space and to the technology space in their country? Again, I do, I do believe in collaboration and I think uh, both projects that we did in, in Nigeria and also here and also others that we did in the, world, in the world are based on collaboration between states. We come here on behalf of the uh, Israeli state and we come here as an emissary of um, the Israeli em embassy here and I think when it becomes not only a collaboration between people but also a collaboration between states it becomes much more fruitful, important, valuable, 
uh, and also the support we are getting here from here and also elsewhere from Israeli embassies is, is huge and is very very fruitful and very important that companies today also understand that you know the collaboration between people and between governments and between states is maybe uh, maybe the base on which innovation of tomorrow can happen and I think it's never just a one-way street I think we can learn also a lot from what's happening here in, uh, in Ghana and I think I, I am hoping that maybe in the future for instance the, the company that we work in Innovate that we work in in Nigeria with it's an Israeli a Nigerian company it's like co-founded co and co-owned by an Israeli and a Nigerian so maybe I hope in the future we can create a scenario in which maybe these kinds of things can also happen here um, there might be also other companies that are Israeli Ghanaian like already here but I think the more and more uh, this collaboration between people, states, ideas, backgrounds can happen more. It will create more innovation and more interesting things in the future. I'm sure. I'm sure. Before coming to Ghana, you did a bit of research about the space. You know, which which sectors do you feel are the most promising? If 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 there was a sector like that, that in your research, for example, about the country, in terms of potential, in terms of areas of growth, especially within the tech space, which, I mean, yes, fintech seems to be the number one, but are there any others that, you know, intrigue you in terms of the potential that they might have? I don't know why I say this, but I think that food and agriculture, I think, are two things uh, which I think are neglected uh, and are a good point uh, of innovation that will allow us to connect physical and virtual together and I think also these are really big problems and big challenges that the world is facing now with climate change and with environmental challenges and everything so food uh, is becoming something really, really interesting in agriculture or processing of food uh, are, are areas in which I think interesting innovation can happen and also these are places where you know a connection between uh, uh, states could be also very valuable. Um, education, I'm a big believer in education um, and I think that efforts for better education around the world are super interesting anywhere and I think challenges that um, are coming up in different countries can allow also other countries to benefit from. Um, what other? I think those are the main um, and also maybe last but definitely not least is um, the medic medical uh, medical area which as we <laughs> feel very strongly these days and maybe for years to come mm -hmm. it's not a local challenge it's a world challenge so I think that the way it's actually the, the amazing collaboration that happened during these times around these and also the maker movement around the world us and make lab we also like joined that effort we developed uh, different things that would 
both were dis distributed in, in uh, hospitals in Israel. We helped in the development of a ventilator in Nigeria with Innovate and uh, with the IFER um, over there. And I think there will be more to come in that sector that probably will, <laughs> we like it or not, it will hit us again, maybe in different ways in the future. And we will have to be quick on our feet to create new innovative ideas to tackle those uh, health issues. Uh, and yeah. One of the, I, I want to get into a bit more of the philosophical. Um, so science is typically thought to be very strict lay down rules, follow the rules, reproduce based on evidence, blah, blah, blah. The arts sort of tend to not have an exactness about it, you know, so it tends to flow in very different and weird ways. But obviously there's a method to the madness, naturally. How does a technology enthusiast or a creator or a tech entrepreneur sort of walk that fine line between the science of things and then the art bits of, 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 of those same things. Again, I, I, I am not a person that likes the division of things. I think that everything is mixed up because on the one hand, science eventually is a story. It's a story we tell ourselves and we make it sound better if we add some facts. But at the end of the day, um, you know, it's, it's a story. It's a story that changes every couple of years. Many things that were thought of like top-notch science, you know, not so long ago, today are considered to be like, more like a bad story uh, than actual facts. And we change our story every few years and, it, and, it's, and it's fine. We learn more. And also when you talk about arts, art is not madness. Art, I think, is a, is a way to think about things. It's a non-orthodox way to think about things. It's a creative effort. Uh, I think it's a way to look beyond the boundaries of technology, of material, of thoughts, of everything. And I think, for instance, when I used when I lived in uh, in the Netherlands, they used to uh, invite an artist to every uh, conversation in the municipality that has to do with the new project. So there was they needed to have an artist in the room just for the role of saying interesting, you know, unheard of, out of the box things, and you know it had nothing to do with art. It just was artist was just a tag name for a person that thinks differently. But I hope, maybe through education, maybe through technology, we would enjoy that everybody would think differently. And also, in the same way, when we talk about science and data and technology, I believe that, I know that technology is getting everywhere and with every profession. Even if you're a plumber, you will need to know technology. You will need to know code, you will need to know hardware, software, how to operate robots, you'll need to know that. So I think every, everything is going closer and being closely knitted into, into the world of tomorrow. So thinking about people as a, you know, as a title of an artist, of a creative, of thinking, oh no, I'm not a creative person, I'm just a scientist. No, 
The most creative scientists I know are super creative and the best artists I know are very analytic. So I think to think about it, it in that sense will be a wrongdoing for people that are interesting and multi multiverse. Right. <laughs> Here's the multiverse coming back. So. That's an interesting way to weave the multiverse into the conversation. Wrapping up, wrapping up now, um, I'm just, I mean, you've been in Ghana for a few days, um, had a few interactions. Um, what are some of the projects that um, we should be expecting coming out of some of these collaborations between Israel and, and Ghana? So it's really in early stages. I wouldn't uh, presume to say um, which are going to come to fruition and which not. I would say that we come in good faith and goodwill and we come with the full support of the Israeli embassy uh, to try and build interesting uh, places here, to bring new make labs here, to bring the best knowledge we can bring forth and to learn together how to create opportunities here uh, for innovative work, innovative projects, and maybe innovative businesses. That's uh, the best I can put forward and hope it will all happen. My final, my final question uh, before you go. Um, seated here by the poolside, interesting scenes, knowing what you know, knowing what you perceive the world to be. If you had the opportunity to make a prediction um, of, of what sort of world we'll be living in um, in the next 10 years. Give, give us a sense of, of where, you see, where you see the world in terms of when you close your eyes, for example, and you think the next 10 years, what, what sort of things will we be experiencing from, from either side of, of you, whether you're tech side or your education side or your innovation side or your art side? Wow. Um, I can only hope. I cannot predict anything. I can hope that we are living in a, that we will live in a, in a better place where people are smart enough uh, to collaborate, to um, be open source not only about knowledge but also about money and that wealth, knowledge and prosperity will be more equally divided amongst uh, all people. Uh, that could be only my hope. Uh, it's not going in a good direction at the moment, my hope, uh, but you know you can hope and you can try to do the best uh, to your ability to make it happen and that's what I humbly try to do. Well, it's, it's, it's been a good conversation. I've really enjoyed this. Um, I've been speaking with Saron Paz. He is an experienced designer, a new media artist, placemaker and innovation mentor. And he is in Ghana um, on the auspices of the Embassy of Israel. And I'm having conversations with him today about innovation, about technology, the arts and the sciences and everything else in between it's been a real pleasure having you on the show thank you so much for sharing your your thoughts and your your insights with us thank you so very much i hope to visit here again in the near future
Well, we look forward to having you. Well, that is where we'll draw the curtain down on the show. I mean, there are, there are a number of things that I find very interesting about this conversation, and I hope you found them interesting as well. A big thank you to the producers of the show. A big thank you also to the Embassy of Israel for setting up this conversation. And a big thank you to you for doing the listening on the show as well. Um, the show will be available as a podcast first thing tomorrow morning, so please make sure you look out for it, download it, share it with your friends, and make sure you take a listen. But then, until next week, my name is Philip Sean. Stay techie.